Jew had had a private collection. He had a framed sketches of the seven dwarfs on the wall in his studio. In between his platinum records, John Wayne Gossie had drawn for a while he was in jail and sent them to him. Gossie liked Golden Age Disney almost as much as he liked molesting little kids, almost as much as he liked Jude's albums. Jude had a skull as a peasant, been ten-penned in the 16th century to let the demons out. He kept a collection of pens jammed in the hole in the centre of the cranium. He had a 300-year-old confession signed by which I didn't spoke with a back doggy who save he was to poison cows, drive horses mad and sicken children for me. I wouldn't let him have my soul I'd have say if I after did give him sucky at my breast, she was burned to the death. He had a stiff and warm noose been used to hang a man in England at the turn of the nineteenth century. Alex Crowley's childhood chessboard and a stuff film. All the items of Jews collection his last was the thing he felt most uncomfortable about possessing. It had come to him the way of a police officer, a man who had worked security at some shows in LA. The cop had said the video was dis, dis- ceased. He said it was some with some enthusiasm. Jude had watched it and f- felt that he was right. It was diseased. It was almost as if in discreet, direct way helped hasten the end of Judge Jude's marriage. Still, he held on to it. Many of the objects of his private collection, the grotesque and bizarre, were gifts sent to him by his fans. It's rare for him to actually buy anything of his collection himself. But when Danny Walton, his personal assistant, told him there was a ghost for sale on the internet and asked did he want to buy it, Jude wasn't even, didn't even really think. It was like going out to eat, hearing the special, and deciding he wanted to do something. Wanted it without even looking at the menu. Some impulses is required to be considered no consideration. Daniel's office occupied relatively new addition, extending from the northwestern end of Jude Rambling, a 110-year-old outhouse, which his client controlled. Office Max Furniture and Coffee and Cream Industrial Carpet. The office was coolly impersonal. Nothing at all like the rest of the house. It might have been a dentist's waiting room, if not for the concert posters of stainless steel frames. One of them showed a jar crammed with staring eyeballs, bloody knots of nerves, dangling under the box at the maximum. That was for all the eyes of your, on you, or you, Tyler. The sooner additional addition had been built, the Jude had come to regret it. He had not wanted to drive forty minutes from Pennsylvania to a rented office in Plowkeepsie to see business, but it wouldn't be probably preferable to having Danny Morton right here at the house. Here, Danny and Danny's work were too close. When Jude was in the kitchen, he could hear the phone ringing there. Both of the office lines going off at the same at once sometimes the sound was manning to him. He had not recorded the album in years, had hardly worked since Jermone, a dizzy had died, and a band with them, but still the phone rang and rang. He felt crowded by the steady parade of parishioners for his for his time and by the never ending accommodation accumulation of legal 
professional demands, agreements, and contracts, promotions, and appearances. The work of Judas Crowley, incorporated, which was never done, always ongoing. When he was at home, he wanted to be himself, not a trademark. For the most part, Dunny stayed out of the rest of the house. What was that? What were his flaws? He was protected with Jude's private space. But Danny considered him fair game. If Jude stayed into the office, straight in the office, something Jude did without much pleasure. Four or five times a day, passing through the office was the fastest way to the barn and the dogs. He could avoid Danny by going out through the front door, walking all the way through the, around the house. He refused to sneak around his own house, just to avoid Danny Walton. Besides, it didn't seem possible Danny could always have something to bother him with. But he always did. If he couldn't, didn't have anything that demanded immediate reaction, he wanted to talk. Danny was from the South California originally. There was no end of his, to his talk. He would boast of to- total strangers about the benefits of wheatgrass. It would include making your own bowel movements as fragrant as freshly mowed lawn. He is 30 years old, but would talk skateboarding and PlayStation with a pizza delivery kid. He was 14. Danny would get professional, conversational with an air-conditioned repairman, tell him about his sister and ODs on heroin the teens and how a young man he had been the one to find his mother body after he killed herself he is impossible to embarrass he didn't know the meaning of shy jude was coming back inside from feeding angus a bond it was halfway across dunny's field of fire just beginning to think he might make it through the office unscathed when dunny said hey chief check this out dunny opened almost every demand of attention with just that line a statement of Jude had learned to dread and present. Prelude to half an hour, a waste of time, forms to fill out, faxes to look at. Then Danny told him so- someone was selling a ghost, and Jude forgot all about the, about begrudging him. He walked around the desk so he could look, look over Danny's shoulder at his computer screen. Danny discovered a ghost online auction site. Not eBay, but the one the wannabe. Jude moved his glaze over the item description while Danny read aloud. Danny would have cut his food for him if Jude had given him the chance. In a streak of surveillance that Jude found frankly revolting in a man. Buy my grandfather's so's ghost, Danny read. Six weeks ago, my elderly stepfather died. Very suddenly, he was staying with us at a time. He had no home of his own and travelled from relative to relative, visiting a month or two before moving on. Everyone was shocked by his passing, especially my daughter, who was very close to him. No one would thought he was active at the end of his life. Never sat in front of the TV, drank a glass of orange juice every day, had all his own teeth. This is a fucking joke, Joe said. I don't think so, Danny said. He went on. Two days after his funeral, my little girl saw him sitting in the bedroom, which is directly across from my bedroom. After she saw him, she, my girl didn't like to be alone in my room anymore. We even got upstairs. I told her I wouldn't even hurt her, but she told, she told, said she was scared of the eyes. She said they were all black scribbles and didn't want for seeing anymore. She was has been sleeping with me ever since. At first I thought it was a scary story she was telling herself, but there's more to it than that. The guest room is cold all the time. Poked around in there, I noticed it's worse the closet. 
there where his Sunday suit was hanging up. He wanted to be buried in that suit, but he tried it on him in the funeral home. It didn't look right. People shrink up a little bit after they die. Water then dries up. My best, his best suit was too big for him. So we let the funeral home talk us buying new one of theirs. I don't know why I listened. The other night I woke up and heard my grandfather walking around overhead. A bed in his room wasn't made. Was still made. Still made. Wouldn't wouldn't stay made. The door was opened and slams shut. All hours. The cat wouldn't go upstairs either. And sometimes she sits at the bottom of the steps, looking at things. I could see she stares all the while, then scoops a yell that her tail stepped on and runs away. My stepfather's long, long time, long ago spiritualist. I believe he's only here to teach my daughter that death is not the end. But she's eleven and needs a normal life and sleep on her own room, not in mine. Only thing I can think of is to try and find an apartment of our home. The world is full of people who want to believe in the afterlife. Well, I have a, I have your proof right here. I will sell my grandfather, stepfather's ghost to the highest bidder. Of course, a soul cannot really be sold, but I believe you'll come to your home and abide with you if you put your out the welcome mat. As I said, when he died, he, he was with us temporarily, and no place to call his own. Some are sure he would go where he wanted. He, want, he was wanted. Do you think this is a stunt or practical joke? I'll take your money, send you, send you nothing. I win him, but I will have something solid to show for his investment. I'll send you his Sunday suit. I believe his spirit is attached to anything. It has to do. Has to be that. It's very nice, old-fashioned suit made by a great Western tailor. It's a fine silver pinstripe. Blur, blur, silver lining, blur, blur. Danny stopped reading and pointed at the screen. Check out the measurements. Chief, it's your side. I bid. It is 80 ducks. If you want to own a ghost, looks like you have to... You can be yours for 100. Let's buy it, Jude said. Seriously? Put in a bid for $100. Drew narrowed his eyes, peering at something on the screen. Just as he, below them, a description, a button. I said, to, said yours now, a thousand dollars. Beneath that, click to bury. They buy an end auction immediately. Put his finger on it, tapping the glass. Let's make it a grand and sell the deal. Seal the deal, he said. Then we tilted his chin. Chair. He grinned and raised his eyebrows. Then he had high arched track. Nikus and eyebrows, which he used to great effect. Maybe he expected an explanation, but Jude wasn't sure he couldn't explain even to himself why it seemed reasonable to pay a thousand dollars for an old suit that probably wasn't worth a fifth of that. Let me later he thought it might be a good publicity. Jodas Kona buys a poltergeist. A fans that my stories up like that. That was but that was later. Right then in a moment, he just knew he wanted to be one who brought the ghost. Jude started on, thinking he would head upstairs to see Georgia was dressed yet. He told her to put on her clothes for half an hour ago, but he expected to find her still in bed. He had a sense she planned to stay there until she got the fight she was looking for. She was sitting in her underwear, carefully painting her toenails black, or have her laptop open. Surfing golf accessories, looking for the perfect stab to poke through her nut tongue, like she needed a more goddamn. And then the thought of surfing the web caused 
drew to hold up, wondering something. He glanced at Lanny. How did you come across that anyway? He asked, nodding at the computer. We got an email about it. From who? From the auction site. They sent an email. He said, we noticed you bought things like that before. Thought you might be interested. We bought items like this before? I'll call items, I assume. I've never bought anything like off that site. Maybe you did and don't remember it. Maybe I bought something for you. Drew said, fucking acid. I've got a good memory once. I was in the chess club in junior high. You were? That's a hell of a fault. What? The idea that I was in the chess club? I guess it seems too geeky. Yeah, but I used several, several fingers for pieces. Then he laughed a little too hard, convulsing himself and wiping imaginary tears from the corner of his eyes. The sympathetic little suckers.